0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week me and my co-host go back and forth picking random movies to try and break the other under our filmic, you know, will. I'm your host, Dean, joined by my co-host, Miss Boo. How you doing?
1: I'm good. How you doing, Dean?
0: Nah, I'm doing pretty good. So this week was another one of my picks, right? Last this week was... we had yours, yes. which was, what was yours last week?
1: Mine was Halloween.
0: That's right, and that was for our Halloween episode. But this week we got a something a little bit different.
1: Well, we're in November now. We are. And this is a whole new ball game.
0: This is a whole new ball game.
1: Do you want to explain to everybody what we're doing this November?
0: Oh yes, this November we're going to be doing something a little bit on theme. It's going to be anniversary theme. So we're going to be doing. One movie where every film is a different anniversary. I believe we're gonna be doing this one's a 30 year anniversary. The next one is a 40-year anniversary. I believe so. And then we should have a 45 year anniversary and then another 31?
1: Our last one is a 30.
0: Yeah, our last one's a 30. So there's your your hints if you want to figure out what they are. But this week, 35 or 30 year anniversary. Sorry, I'm bad with numbers. It's one of my favorite movies.
1: Are you bad with numbers? Or are you just thinking about that? We're in November, so we're getting turkey soon.
0: I'm very excited. You're going to make me turkey. It's going to be great, guys.
1: I mean, I'll buy you like a turkey sandwich because I can't cook a turkey. I'm sorry.
0: Not yet. We're we going to teach you up real good.
1: Hey, but it's 2020. We're going to teach you.
0: I love you. Now, this week we're going to be talking about one of my favorite films. Starring Tim Robbins, the 1990 thriller, horror, drama, Jacob's Ladder. And, Boo, this is your first time ever seeing the film?
1: It was my first time seeing the film, and I really wasn't, you know, expecting much out of it. And I ended up really enjoying the film.
0: Awesome. So, why don't you just uh, tell me, what did you think of it? Right off the bat. So, you're going I, I, in, sitting down. What would you think?
1: I really didn't see it as a horror film. You know, that's what I thought we were going into when the movie started. But it's more of a drama, kind of sci-fi a little bit. Also, a little religious, which I was kind of shocked by. Some of the tones are there for religion, so... It threw me through a loop a little bit, but I'd watch it again. It it was very entertaining. It was deep. Mm-hmm. It kept me, you know, on the edge of my seat trying to figure out what was happening. So it was a good pick.
0: Why? Thank you. I only pick good movies. I think every yeah. movie I've picked so far has been great.
1: <sighs> not a racerhead.
0: Yeah, you got a lot of hate for a racerhead, but whatever. It was bad. Yeah, you're you're. I love you. So, Jacob's Ladder. For the people who might not have seen the film. Let's give the elevator pitch for the movie. So, what it is about is this man, Jacob Singer, is a Vietnam veteran who, after suffering a traumatic injury in Vietnam, is now in New York City, I believe it's New York, Mm -hmm. um, suffering from PTSD, and suddenly he starts seeing strange demons and monsters that seem to be torturing him and tormenting him all around him. And eventually it all comes to a head with I guess you can say him understanding why the demons are tormenting him at the end of the film. Without giving too much away to spoilers. We'll we'll talk about the ending in a little bit. We'll give you a spoiler warning, but it's a very interesting twist. I think that's why the movie got famous was the twist.
1: Yeah. I really wasn't expecting it. I was trying to, you know, guess it the whole time, and even I was shocked at the very end of the movie. Yeah.
0: So, I guess let's get into the meat of the movie.
1: Well, before we do that, how did you find this movie, and, you know, what what made it, you know, a special movie for you?
0: Oh, um, that's actually a good question. So, I am a huge fan of the Silent Hill video games. The... Um, the original ones, you know, Silent Hill 1, 2, 3, 4, those, those ones. um, And it kind of was a thing where I got into kind of a rabbit hole where I was like, where did these people get all their inspiration from? And one that came up a lot was the film Jacob's Ladder. It's a huge inspiration for Silent Hill 2, and uh, some aspects were pulled from Silent Hill 1, because this movie came out in 1990, yeah. and I think the first Silent Hill games came out in like 99 or something like that, 98. And I found this movie and I saw like a review of it. And I was like, oh, that movie looks kind of cool. And I uh, found it on a reputable free Russian streaming site. Totally paid for it, I swear. And uh, watched it. I thought this movie is really good. And then I found it on Blu-ray year or like a year later. Bought that shit. But, yeah, no, I I personally like the movie because I think it has a lot to, like, say about PTSD and trauma and kind of coming to terms with your own mortality and...
1: The human spirit, too.
0: The human spirit. And it's, a lot of it is about, like, perspective because I think that's a big thing um, that this movie brings up is the perspective of, you know, the tormenting or, like, the tormentor and what its intentions are and all that. But yeah, I think it's just a very interesting movie. And it's strange that this movie doesn't actually have that much of a following anymore. Because um, I think this, cause I think uh, The Sixth Sense and M. Night Shyamalan kind of killed twist-ending movies.
1: I mean, you gotta admit, that twist at the end of The Sixth Sense, it's pretty great.
0: It's, you know, might have called it.
1: I mean, granted, at the time that came out, I was around... Oh, man... When did The Sixth Sense come out?
0: Like, 98, I think.
1: Yeah, so I was fairly young when that came out, and my mind was just blown.
0: Totally.
1: I just couldn't believe it.
0: Yeah, totally blown.
1: Yes, I know. You're, You're the film guy. Nothing gets past you.
0: No, shit gets past me all the time. It's just, you know. Kid sees dead people. Bruce Willis shows up to help him. Bruce Willis seems to be being ignored by everybody else. It's probably a dead person. Spoilers for a t- something-year-old movie. It's fine.
1: But it's Bruce Willis. It is
0: Bruce Willis. But yeah, so I guess we can get into like the meat of the movie a little bit. We'll talk about some of the characters, and then we'll talk about the plot a little bit. So, the characters. Where do you want to start?
1: We'll start with Jacob.
0: Jacob. So, Jacob's played by Tim Robbins, and he is the most average dude. Like I mean, Tim Robbins is just really good at playing just really average, like, everyday people.
1: And in the movie, he works for, he's a mailman, right? He's, yeah, a, yeah, he he's a mail carrier. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, one of the opening scenes you see is him in his uniform, and it's like, yeah, I, I, he could be my mailman. He's so convincing as
0: just a average. mail carrier.
1: Yeah, an average mail carrier.
0: Yeah, and it's, um, it's kind of interesting. So, Jacob's whole thing and his trauma and all that comes from him being a Vietnam vet, you know, he's obviously suffering from some form of ptsd but he's also dealing with the death of his son macaulay culkin right in one of macaulay culkin's actually really early film
1: roles i think this might have been his first film role he also wasn't credited for this so
0: yeah which is probably really early and it's he's very he's a very interesting character in that sense because he's literally living everybody's like Painful melodrama all at once. He's like, I'm a war vet. I'm haunted by it. My son died while I was away. I feel guilty over it. My marriage fell apart. I'm now in this uh relationship with this woman who doesn't really seem to care all that much about me, but I'm in it for like the 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 sex.
1: The sex, you know, the the physical contact, you know, just to have somebody there with you. But I was I was just shocked by, you know how when he receives the pictures she's just so you know stop crying you know even though it's pictures of his dead son and
0: who like, really is not that I... long dead
1: no it, it's been you know a short amount of time but it's like really you have no empathy but that's when we discover that her name is Jezzy short for Jezebel and that was kind of when it you know kind of snapped in my head like oh there's you know some religious she, undertones she's supposed to, to this be a bitch. yes I'm like, there's no uh, salvation for her. She's going to be a bitch throughout the whole movie.
0: Yeah, there is one scene with her at the party that's uh, real
1: awkward. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one in a second when we start talking about like particular scenes. But yeah, so Jacob is just this um, very interesting character that has a lot going on with him. And then he starts seeing and hallucinating and seeing all the demons and all like the world starts changing around him and it's so sad it's
1: unnerving too
0: it's yeah because you you empathize him with him like right away because he's just so normal
1: he's normal he's wounded and it's like nobody's helping him
0: yeah and, and the thing is he's not like crying about it he's not like oh i'm wounded woe is me i'm so depressed he's like He's like, yeah, you know, my shit's, I'm, I'm fucked up, but generally he's, you know, kind of laughable. He's like getting along with people. He's, that, I, that's the thing. He is so painfully average that it's so sad to see him get hurt so bad and him just try and take it on the chin over and over again. And then you kind of see what happens when somebody who takes all the pain on the chin finally gets cracked really good.
1: They finally break.
0: They finally break. And I, I guess we'll start talking about the other people in the cast. Uh, next is Jezzy, Jezebel. Jezebel. Okay, she's a bitch, right?
1: She is. And I mean, right away, I mean.
0: Okay, okay. For, first we got to point out that the director tries to make the audience not hate her. Because I think the first scene she's in, she's topless. So
1: Yeah, I was kind of like counting the minutes. I'm like, okay, her boobs are still out. Like three minutes in, they're still out. I'm like, girl, just put them away. We don't want to see that.
0: I mean, for the female people in the audience, but come on, that was a direct decision by the director being like, look, the women are going to hate her right away, but I need the guys to be totally in on this. The guys okay. need to understand why he's not leaving her because she walks around nude half the time.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's, you know, again, to go with religion, it, she's that temptation. Mm-hmm. It's just out there... But I was looking at Is her...
0: Je- Is that the Jezebel, like, in the in the Bible? She's, like, the temptation and all that stuff? Because I, again, I'm a really bad religious person. I don't know Neither am
1: I. I. I just know that she has, you know, bad connotations in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, taking away from the character, I was looking at her and I'm like, I know you from something. And I, I just couldn't put my finger on it until later in the movie. She's actually in La Bamba with uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Really? Yeah, she's... Um, His brother Bob's girlfriend. Really? Yeah, the one that Richie's dating when they're living, like, um, where the orange groves are. That's Rosie.
0: Oh, fuck me. I didn't even notice that.
1: Yeah, that's why I was like, like, your face looks so familiar, and I finally put it together when she got mad. I'm like that's Rosie from La Bamba, so I'm like that's pretty cool.
0: That's like that's a really crazy thing when you when you look at the people in this movie because it's like Tim Robbins in this movie, mm-hmm. like Danny Aiello's in this movie.
1: There's a lot of people in this movie. That...
0: Yeah, but the other weird thing is this came out in like 1990, yeah. and all the people that are in it, it's like some of them are like, oh, you're kind of a big like name mm-hmm. now. now. Then they were probably you know just you know they were working, they weren't like a you know. A- A-list actors, because I don't think... Shawshank Redemption didn't come out yet. No. I think Bull Durham had already come out, and I think that was Tim Robbins' film before this. I believe so. He might have done the... I don't know if he even did The Player yet, because The Player was his film with Robert Altman that made him a... that, like, kind of blew him up a little bit.
1: That was probably, like, maybe in the mid-90s, later 90s.
0: I'm not even... I'm not even sure. I'd have to check, because Whippy Goldberg's in that movie. But besides the point but yeah so there's a lot of like really interesting people in this movie and so yeah so that's Jezebel and that's kind of how you would describe her she's just kind of this temptation just kind of a
1: she's she's tempting him but at the same time she's not good for him
0: and would you, would you call her a caring girlfriend
1: I mean the only caring part we get from her is when he gets sick yeah and she's you know running through the hallways you know asking for ice. That That's the only time that we really get a sense that, you know...
0: She really cares about his, cares like, well-being?
1: Yeah. But other than that, no, I don't get that sense throughout the rest of the movie. Mm. And, and the fact that we, you know, we have... We have Louis or... Or is it Louis in the movie? I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. His chiropractor? Yeah, yeah, Louis. Louis uh, by Danny, I- 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 Danny I Aiello. Danny Aiello. We have Louis by Daniel, Aiello, who is, you know, what Jacob calls his angel. And, I mean, you get it in that perfect light, too. And he's, you know, laying on his back after being adjusted. And that white light is just shining behind it's him. It's
0: a perfect backlight. And it really does look like he's this angel like looking down on Jacob after all this. And also, that's a there's a lot of like random religious imagery and referencing in this movie. And at first, it kind of goes... Okay, for me, it kind of went over my head when I first watched this movie. Mm-hmm. And I know you, like, picked up on it right away because, yeah. you know, you, you like yourself some Jesus.
1: Well, and that and, you know, you throw a name like Jezebel out there, you're going to think of the yeah. Bible.
0: Well, they even make reference that, you know, Jesse doesn't like biblical names. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jacob points out, it's like, well, Jezebel is a really religious yeah. name. Granted, that's another thing. Like, why would you name your daughter Jezebel?
1: I mean, I've met people named Jezebel before, and they're really? really, yeah, they've been really nice. It's just, it's a thing.
0: Huh? That seems like a really like southern name. You know, it's like, oh, my name is Jezebel. Like, that's just, it just the, sounds like a really, bit. it sounds like a really southern kind of kind of name. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah, like, because at first she's kind of just. She's not mean to Jacob, but you can tell that he... That this is really a physical-only kind of relationship. A lot of sex, a lot of, you know...
1: That's about it, you know. calling. And they work, you know, at the post office together, so it's more of a convenience thing, you know. You see each other at work, you go home, and you just keep the cycle going. Mm. But I really liked Louie.
0: Yeah, Louis is... Louis is the nicest normal person in this movie because he's just his chiropractor
1: he's his chiropractor but he's kind of his
0: confidant
1: his confidant but also like the angel on his shoulder Mm -hmm. because you have you know the demon on his shoulder which is jezebel who's you know get rid of these pictures of your children and your ex-wife and you know stop crying don't do this and then you have louie on the other side who's telling him hey go home to your wife go home to your wife and kids try to make it work. She still loves you. You clearly love her. So it's like you got, you know, the demon and the angel and him in the middle trying to figure out which is the best way to go.
0: Mm. Man, there's this is a really good casting here. There's some really good characters in this movie. But that's kind of the basis of the characters. Let's start talking about a little bit about some of the scenes that are in the movie that we really liked. So we'll we'll start. I know that the opening scene is just so good
1: yeah i wasn't expecting that <laughs> i was just kind of blown away i'm like oh this is how we're starting all right
0: opens and it's this like vietnam like fucking war movie they're smoking they're smoking some weed they're like waiting on patrol and all this yeah. shit and then shit just goes off the rails right away there's gunfire there's you know shit going back and forth and jacob just gets skewered by a bayonet and just snaps wakes up in a in a subway in New York because he fell asleep in a subway Yeah, and you're like what the fuck happened was that was he just dreaming and then you get that immediate thing as an audience member it's like oh he's got that PTSD and he's having flashbacks mm-hmm. uh, and also this whole subway sequence is just ultra unnerving
1: it's terrifying I wouldn't want to be on that subway car it's just the, the like...
0: crazy uh, abulita looking woman who's just <laughs> Dead, dead dead-eyed, silent.
1: And then that weird guy with like a tentacle coming out from the coat when he's trying to get out of the subway car. It's like like...
0: he's got like this weird tail thing, and Jacob sees it for like a split second, and like we, the audience, only see it for like a split second. Yeah. I like I know a bunch of people when they first saw this movie, they were like, "Did we just see a? Did we just see a dick? Is that what that was?" Other people like, "No, it was a tail." And then you got like, "Oh no, it's a tentacle." It it's one of those things where it's like you blink and you miss it kind of thing but it's yeah. just so unnerving and then the whole subway looks completely abandoned.
1: Oh yeah, and then it's even more unnerving that that's actually a real subway station.
0: Well, actually, it's the sub-basement of the mm-hmm. subway, so I guess wherever they filmed it, they had the subway station from like, you know, the turn of the century or whatever and they built a new station on top of it and that one was the abandoned one. They actually had to they actually had to retile it and like fix it up to make it look working cuz and even then it still looks super abandoned
1: and super creepy. It's like I wouldn't want to be down there even with like a filming crew. I'd still be nervous about what's going to come out from the tunnels.
0: Oh yeah, and then you know, he's like, "Oh, I got to jump across the the subway platforms to get to the other side to get out." And then the train comes by and he's like oh shit which rail is it on i got to make a 50/50 chance of if i'm going to get hit by a fucking subway right now then he hits it and then it goes by and you see in the window the all oh. the weird demonic creepy blurred faces
1: just staring out at him hands to the the glass just super creepy it's like, I'm not in that scene, but I wanted to get out of that subway. I just felt so creeped out by all those people staring at him.
0: So, you're, you're you know, photography, you know, you're really into composition and lighting and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. How would you say you liked the the composition, lighting, and stuff in this opening sequence? How did you like the visuals of this? It
1: was great. It was I, great? I mean, the composition was great, you know, the way they had the the camera positioned, because you feel like you're in the station with him Mm -hmm. and just the uh, dilapidated colors. It feels, you know, eerie, sad, abandoned, neglected. It's just all these things jumbled up into really a perfect scene. It really, you know, conveys how he's feeling on the inside because you could tell he's just the shell of like the person he used to be. So it's like we're seeing him inside and out.
0: Okay. Because this is also has a lot of thing with like the themes of the story right here, because right away when we ever see a character waking up like this from, you know, in an opening, it's a nightmare kind of scenario. He wakes up and we automatically get, Oh, he's dealing with this trauma, the war and the whole war sequence where he's getting wounded externally he's getting stabbed and then he wakes up and he's grabbing the same part and he's like oh he's wounded internally there's a whole Uh this is kind of where you get the whole theme of like the PTSD thing going on and it also carries on to when we meet the other members of his platoon when he gets home and the whole subway thing where he has to make that 50-50 shot right there the live or die moment where it's an exciting moment and then he jumps to the right side and he lives but then he sees the demon faces Mm -hmm. passing by and they're staring at him and you're almost like did you make the right choice? Really? It's very good opening. Very good opening. But uh, what scene do you want to kind of talk about next to help us move along here?
1: There's so many good scenes. There's a lot
0: of good scenes in this movie.
1: I mean, I enjoyed all his scenes with his chiropractor. I mean, just the two of them together were... It was good casting because they, they really complemented each other.
0: Well, actually, on the first scene we have of him, that comes up, I don't know, a couple scenes after. We can, jump on that because that's when we start getting the flashbacks back to nam
1: yeah when he's adjusting him and it's just you're getting a little bit more of the story every time he cracks his shoulder cracks his back it's just like
0: it's it's very interesting because they do this thing where i guess that he's popping his neck Mm -hmm. and he does an inch just hard just conk just hard snap of his neck and we flash back to vietnam for i don't know couple of seconds 30 seconds minute at most and they're just and it's like oh my god you're seeing the flash his flashes back to vietnam and that trauma and all that pain and then he comes back and you know louis is just standing over him the lights cast right behind him he looks like a he literally looks like you know he's an angel looking down Mm -hmm. on jacob and jacob is just like oh god what was what was that? What happened? And he's just like, calm down. I, was a, I had to really get in there to help you. So it's going to take a minute just rest for a second. And that's a whole other thing of, you know, Louis being this angelic figure. And it's also, it it's kind of gets on the nose when he's just like, when Jacob's like, hey, has anybody ever told you to look like an angel? And he's like, you tell me that every time you end up here.
1: So you kind of figure, you know, how long has he been in this state? Where, you know, he tells him every time, you look like an angel, so it's like, how long has he been lost, kind of, you know, in limbo, that he's in throughout this movie?
0: Yeah, because it feels like he's kind of floating through the motions and moving through things. He's just kind of there, and Louis seems to be the only, like, genuine friend he has.
1: And his guiding light.
0: Guiding light, yeah. I mean, just for you to talk about the, the lighting composition here, that angelic backlighting there it's it's a direct like symbolic reference to that mm-hmm. huh but yeah i think the, the next like okay i think the next thing we got to talk about is when jacob goes to the party with jezebel
1: oh man that party <laughs> that party oh. I wanted to get out of that party. And okay, I was there. Okay, at
0: first it looked like a bumping party. Oh, it looked yeah. great. You now people are fucking drinking. There's they're rave dancing in the middle of this person's apartment. That's kind of what it looked like or house? I think
1: it was an apartment. This this person must have had like a penthouse cuz yeah. that's like a ton of space. There's you know a staircase leading up to bedrooms. The next floor, yeah. yeah, so it's and
0: just people are probably plowing in those bedrooms upstairs
1: or you know taking acid there
0: hey there are people who are plowing on the on the couch like right off the dance floor yeah
1: i mean it's
0: it's one of those parties it's a sex and cocaine kind of party
1: uh, it's new york in the 70s
0: yeah i think that's probably when i don't know when this movie actually takes place i always assumed it took place in like the like the contemporary 1990s but then that would make jacob 15 a 15 year difference from vietnam to then Something like that, maybe ten.
1: So this is maybe late seventies, early eighties.
0: Maybe that's probably when the movie takes the movie takes place.
1: Maybe probably in the eighties more.
0: Maybe because it, it it seems like it's supposed to take place like right after he gets out of Vietnam, but I don't I don't know when that service is, and I, it seems like it's over. And hmm. it's really weird when you think about the setting of this movie because it's kind of timeless in a sense because it could take place kind of at any point post vietnam but it can't really take place now cuz you know obviously technology so it's anywhere between like the 90s and 74 mm-hmm. no it's it's all, it's really interesting but that party when jacob's like nah i don't really want to dance Jez, you can go out on the dance floor and do your your thing
1: and then he gets his palm red
0: oh, and he gets his palm red and she's like Oh, baby, you already dead if your palm's right. And he's just like, yeah, no, no, I'm just, I'm not dead. I'm just kind of lazy or whatever. And, you know, does that whole charm thing.
1: Right. I mean, I may or may not have pulled up a a palm reading guide just to make sure that my lifeline is where it should be. Because I was like.
0: You you started getting a little spooked, didn't you? I was
1: like, oh, God, please, you know, please let me be all right.
0: (laughs) See, now you get why I'm afraid of existential crisis. Now. Just a bit. Just a bit. And then Jezebel's on the dance floor. She's dancing with this guy and Jacob's watching. And then the, there's this strobe thing going on because it's basically a rave. And the guy starts turning into this demonic demon thing who's just...
1: Terrifying.
0: And whatever. And we never see the whole thing in full. We just see glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. A wing here. A like tentacle there. A claw there and it's like is it is it raping Jezebel or or what's going on there cuz it's doing something not right. Yeah. Tr- trigger warning here. If you're triggered by demons and very aggressive club sex. Boo, you got anything? It's just bad. It's just bad. It's just bad. It's it's a, it's really bad. It's really unnerving. Like that's one of the scenes that's like the only scene in this movie where I'm like I think I'll go, like, get something to drink during this, like, sequence. It's a little weird.
1: Yeah, I couldn't wait for that scene to be over.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like, super uncomfortable. And then, you know, Jacob, he flips out because no uh, no one's noticing this. And he's seeing this. And he starts screaming and yelling. and
1: Throwing himself on the ground. Throwing
0: himself on the ground. And then that cuts to him in his apartment. And he looks fucking super ill. But before we get to that one, because that's another big scene. Big scene. What did you think of, like, how that scene was shot, the uh, club scene or the dance scene?
1: I thought it was cool because, you know, it it felt like a party. You're you're getting perspective again that you're there in person. I I thought the strobe was great because you're not really getting the full picture. You're, You're kind of in his mindset of how he's seeing things. You know, he's seeing the flashing lights, which could be, you know, a nod back to the gunfire in Vietnam. So you're, you're kind of feeling just as lost as he's feeling. And there's a ton of people in there, and it's just like, I want to get out of there.
0: You're, you're literally going through his, like, PTSD, like...
1: Flashback. Yeah. Or episode, if you want to call it an episode.
0: Because that's, I think that's a big theme of this movie. It's like, it's PTSD, it's trauma, all that stuff, because this seems like the definition of a place a somebody suffering from ptsd would have an episode absolutely it's loud it's super crowded there's flashing lights like you can't it's the worst
1: place that you can be in
0: and the other scene that comes after this is jacob's sick jezebel's taking care of him and she's Doing it in her own special kind of way,
1: in the Jezebel kind of way, in the yes. Jezebel
0: kind of way, and she does find out that it's like, oh shit, Jacob, you're running a hundred and six degree fever. She calls the doctor. The doctor's like, yeah, you need to you need to drastically drop his body temperature, or he's gonna die on the way to the hospital. So she gets yells at the neighbors. They grab ice. They run him a bath, and they just shove him in there. Mm-hmm. And it is so painful looking.
1: Yeah. He
0: is, he's like freaking out. You can tell he's completely out of it. He is super, he's super ill. He's freaking out.
1: I mean, it, it took me back to, you know, anytime that I've been sick and I've, I've had a fever where, you know, it just feels like there's nails on your skin and just seeing him, you know, kind of making his way to the bathroom to ultimately get into this bed of ice. And I'm just thinking like
0: writhing around in there. I'm
1: like, that would just be horrible to have to experience. I mean, Sitting in ice, yeah. yeah. I mean, which you wouldn't think is, well, it's not that bad. It's just ice. But when There's
0: you're fun. just... All those people around you and you don't know why they're there and they're holding you down in it and you're...
1: Well, they're holding you down and you just don't feel well. It's just kind of one of those things of, you know, just please let me die now. You know, I don't want to have to deal with this. But, yeah, I'd be kind of freaked out being held down in a tub of ice with my neighbors.
0: Yeah, they're they're seeing your dick. It's it's weird.
1: Well, I mean... Uh, okay.
0: okay, obviously yeah, you so. don't have a dick, but they're seeing Jacob's dick. Yes. I mean, they'd see your tits, so, you know... They're,
1: no, they're... I, I wouldn't want my neighbors to see that either.
0: There you go. And... Then we go to this really weird kind of side thing where Jacob wakes up and he's home with his wife, Sarah.
1: Yeah, that one kind of threw me through a loop because I was kind of, did he leave her finally? Did he go back home and listen to Louis's advice? And then we see his youngest and I'm like, oh no, we're we're either in a fever dream or...
0: Maybe what we saw before this was a fever dream. Yeah.
1: Like, maybe we're just going back to a a memory before, you know, he left for Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, you know, he was still married, his son was still alive, so it's like, we're going back to a happier time in his life where he was at home with his family and like everything was complete for him.
0: Yeah, and then he's there wakes up and it's like oh god, the window's open, I'm freezing, closes it and then you're thinking maybe that was that whole sequence we saw up to this point was a dream. What's going on? It's so weird. It's so strange and you know, his son comes in who we've up to this point he, we were told we're dead, and he's alive, and he's not even freaking out about it. Like, he plays it, like, normal, dad, everyday stuff, you know? No, like, oh my god, my son, ah, oh, he...
1: It's like, I just put you to bed a few hours ago, and it, here it you are really, at my door. It
0: legitimately comes across, like, everything up to this point, to him, was a complete fabrication of his imagination. None of it was real. And then... He wakes up in the ice bath Mm -hmm. in one of the most strangely haunting shots I've ever seen where he's his eyes are completely bloodshot. He's floating in the water. He's just staring up at the camera and he's like, there's tears coming out. He doesn't say anything. Mm -hmm. Jezebel's just like, oh, my God, we almost lost you there. The doctor's like, you were you got friends in high places, all this other stuff.
1: I mean, just that shot alone of him in the water with his eyes open. I thought, oh, he died. He didn't survive the fever. This is, you know, maybe his version of heaven. You know, he's back with his wife and his children. But then I was like, no, that's that's not right. we like, we still got a lot of movie to You're get like, that's through. That's too easy. Yeah. You know?
0: And I think I'm gonna let you take take point on the rest of this movie here as we go into you know the last half of the movie. What's the next scene we want to go to?
1: I think we have to do the hospital scene. It's so creepy.
0: It's so good though where he's going through and it changes from this normal hospital to this weird demon refuge of fucking humanity.
1: Well, I mean, even before we get to the hospital, we should probably talk about how him and his platoon go we'll to finally the... meet up again. Yeah. They meet up and they go to a lawyer because they want to sue they were part of the army, right?
0: Yeah, they were part of the army. And what's going on? It's, I, it's almost like it's a commentary about like that Agent Orange, MK Ultra kind of stuff that was going on, where they were unknowingly testing soldiers for, you know, experimental drugs or whatnot. Because it's the whole thing is, yeah, we were in Vietnam and they released this sort of like gas or whatever, this drug into the into the air, or we were treated for it and we freaked out there's a thing we all had this weird trippy thing going on it's almost like you know they were all drugged they all flipped out they started shooting into the jungle and it's a direct reference to the beginning of the movie that opening scene where they hear that weird siren thing in the in the air and they think it's an enemy coming through but we never actually see any Viet Cong and they're all freaking out and one guy is just Go, like his head is trying to just, like, explode out of his body. He's just shaking. and
1: The guy from uh, Dawn of the Dead. I can never think of his name.
0: I, I can never think of his name either. He's a great actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff.
1: I mean, I was scared for him when he's on the ground convulsing and, you know, blood's coming out of his mouth. I was like, oh, my God, what happened to him? Oh, yeah. And you just feel so bad when they all go to the lawyer to, to make this, you know, claim. And it, you could just see that they're all scarred. They're all...
0: Every single one of them is seeing the demons themselves, and mm-hmm. every single one of them is dealing with that same trauma. Yeah. Some of them are dealing with different ways, but yeah.
1: And I mean, some of them haven't seen the demons yet. It's kind of like they're doing it in stages. You kind of get glimpses. Um, the guy that uh, Jacob meets at the bar, I think it's, the name's Paul?
0: Something like that, yeah.
1: He's like the first one out of the platoon that really starts to see things, and he says that stuff's jumping out of the walls and attacking him. So it kind of feels like a domino effect. It starts with him, it goes to Jacob, and then it spreads throughout the platoon. And it's just, you know, getting worse to the point where they want to file a lawsuit against the army for experimenting on them.
0: And then you get that whole thing where the lawyer's like, that's not probably not gonna happen you know the army's got enough lawyers where you're all gonna die of old age before this sees court
1: i mean a young a young jason alexander is playing this lawyer Which, by
0: the way i love any movie where jason alexander is in like yeah he's just funny he's just he's just a good actor
1: he's a great actor and seeing him with hair is a trip
0: it's really weird because you 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 think of him as uh george costanza from seinfeld Mm -hmm. where he's just rocking the i'm basically bald look
1: yeah yeah, But yeah, so we have that scene and, you know, they leave the lawyer's office feeling like, hey, we're going to, you know, get a victory. We're finally going to take something and they get the news that he's not going to pick up this lawsuit because his platoon decided we're not going to go through with it. We're not going to interview, you know, for you. We're just going to stay quiet and pretend this didn't happen. And that's when you kind of, you know, wonder what's really going on. And Jacob's kind of starting to unravel a little bit and wonder... Why are they stepping back? They did this to us. We need answers. And all hell starts to break loose.
0: Yeah, and it's so crazy because Paul, he he dies in a weird car bombing and they almost kill Jacob by running him down. Or like a black sedan runs him down and it starts feeling like, is this like a conspiracy movie? Is that what's going on?
1: That's what I felt like. I'm like they were part of something and he was just getting too close to the truth that
0: they reactivated whatever you know manchurian candidate Mm -hmm. shit he had and that's what he's seeing right now
1: and then they get him you know in front of the courthouse and throw him into the back the back of that car and you and you do have the woman there that's witnessing this and nobody's helping him yeah and you just feel so bad for him that he's just been abducted
0: and he's and he's like fights him off he manages to get away and Oh God! And then
1: Santa mugs him. On top of that,
0: also that's just that's just great. Santa, Santa mugging Jacob. That's just good shit.
1: I just feel bad for the guy, which leads him into this nightmare of a hospital that we have to go to.
0: And this hospital is a master a mastery of set design and production, and because it it's, it's the a, stuff of nightmares. Yeah, and it's it's everything is practical. Everything was done on the day. Everything is like in camera. Yeah. So they actually created this entire hallway hospital set thing, and it did it gradually throughout it. And it's like, that's great for the like, camera work, the characters, and oh, it's so good. And then we see the doctor with the no face. Yeah. And you wonder why you don't go to hospitals.
1: I mean, if you're sick, you know. Go get... was sick. And he was trying to get help. Yeah. He, he did go to the VA in the beginning of the movie.
0: Yes, and then demon nurse Lady was like, "No, Ugh.
1: I mean she was scary and rude,
0: yeah, and then her head and then her fucking thing came off, and she had horns, literal horns. yeah,, Ugh. not but what yeah. you
1: want to see when you go to the doctor's office not
0: at all. and I think after the hospital scene that's about when we should get to the uh
1: well, I mean, I love when Louie breaks him out of the hospital.
0: That, okay, that just feels good. That's just a feel-good moment.
1: I just love that he's running through there shouting, Jacob! It's like, my boy! My boy! You're like,
0: <laughs> this is... Louis, this is why we need you. It's like, Aiello, it's like your country needs you. You
1: are an angel.
0: He is! And, like, that. that's almost why I want to get to the end of the movies, just so we can, like, do the reveal and start talking about all this a little bit more.
1: Take the lead. Tell us the ending.
0: So, the ending of the movie, Jacob is home at his, at his home, at his old house, and... He sees the staircase, it leads up, and there's this bright light at the top of it, and he sees his son there, and him and his son, you know, they embrace for a second. Son's like, come up, Dad, you know, everything's all fine. They ascend the staircase, they ascend, you know, Jacob's ladder, or whatever, and Jacob wakes up, well, he doesn't wake up. He doesn't wake up. He's actually in Vietnam. The doctor's over him. Say that he put up a hell of a fight, but it's over. Mm -hmm. Jacob Singer died in Vietnam on that tour. The uh, stabbing we saw, oh, that was weird. The stabbing we saw at the beginning of the movie was the fatal blow that killed him. And every flash we saw throughout the film wasn't a flashback, it was a flash to reality of the medical team, the unit, the army bringing him just a little heartbeat closer to life. And he had been dead the entire time. And this entire movie is him going through purgatory, basically, and trying to pass over into heaven or hell.
1: And his son being his guide His into son heaven. being
0: his guide to heaven. And so, that fucking twist was the thing that made this movie actually, like, worth seeing. And then people spo- started spoiling the twist, and then no one watches this movie anymore. But yeah. Also, yeah, you you got the spoiler warning, I assume, when we started talking about the ending, but whatever.
1: Yeah, that ending just kind of tugs at your heartstrings, that he was just, he was waiting for his dad to take him.
0: Yeah, and it's really interesting when we kind of um, analyze the rest of the movie with that in mind, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, of course, Jezebel is the temptress. She's the one who wants to keep him in this realm of, like, physical pleasure, of, you know, just kind of absent-minded, just going through the motions of whatever life this is. It's not it might not be hell, but it's definitely like don't move on, you know, stay here and wallow in this kind of degraded state of living.
1: Don't think about your loved ones, just focus on me.
0: Don't think yeah, don't think about your loved ones, just focus on, you know, the the physical pleasures of life.
1: Because apart from that party, we never see them like go out to dinner.
0: They're not yeah, they're not like that kind of couple. It's very much a Hey, I'm gonna take you to party. We're gonna screw. We're gonna smoke a little bit of weed. We're gonna have all this fun stuff. It's like Pleasure Island yeah. in uh, Pinocchio. Pinocchio. And Sarah and the kids. That's sort of the other end of the spectrum, where it's like, you know, there's not a lot of like physical pleasure, but it's a lot of emotional gratification. It's a lot of emotional happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, you're with your family, you're with your wife. You know, it's boring, it's average, but you know, you're emotionally fulfilled because you get to be the father. You get to. Be recon- reunited with your children. All this other stuff. No one's dead. Everyone is happy. But then it's the whole thing. He sees the hallucinations and the demons. And this goes back to a line that I believe Louis says. During one of the chiropractor scenes. Where, hey, sometimes some people see demons. Other times you see angels. It's just, you know, what is it? It's some people see demons tormenting them. Others see angels trying to let you release humanity so you can ascend to heaven Mm -hmm. that's more or less what it is i can't remember it off the top of my head it's a great line and i love that line but i can't remember it verbatim and then you realize yeah that's the whole fucking movie all the weird demonic hallucinations the evil shit that's
1: uh, that's the angels trying to push him in the right direction
0: yeah well it's all the angels trying to tear away all the baggage of his soul just to only put through it's like once we tear away all the baggage, all the the things that are holding you back from moving on, only then can you truly just ascend. Yeah. And that's the whole movie. It's a story of one man's soul being torn apart until there's nothing left but pure humanity. And that is the only thing that can move on.
1: And he receives his happiness again because there's his son. This one thing that, you know, had been tormenting him worse than the war. Because even though we get the flashbacks of him, you know, being stabbed and his platoon, you know, going crazy when this happens.
0: The only thing in the movie that makes him cry.
1: Is his son. And I mean, you feel bad for the other children that he has because they lost their brother, they lost their dad. And then once you get to the end of the movie, they lost them around the same time.
0: To them, yeah.
1: Yeah. Because we don't know how far the gap is. I'm sure his son dies when he's in the war.
0: Yeah, well, okay, so that's another thing about this movie is we I'm not hundred percent sure his family's real. No, I'm not sure. Because we're pretty sure Jezebel's not real. Well, because in the oh, war well, shit during the Vietnam stuff and all that, he does I don't know if he mentions his family during like the Vietnam stuff in the beginning. So what if the whole thing his family wasn't even real they were just symbolic thing of the happiness he could have had you know when he got out and that granted that's a whole other thing where you're trying you're prescribing a symbolic meaning of this sort of um fairy man of you know the river sticks to yeah. six-year-old Macaulay Culkin which also by the way Macaulay Culkin as as uh what is it the fairy man of the river sticks in Greek mythology that's kind of interesting but whatever but it's, it's, like, it's this really interesting kind of, like, oddly feel-good ending to a really dark and, like, fucked-up movie. And it's where, so good.
1: Where you just, you know, you feel like your heart's just kind of breaking for him. It's, you know, he can't catch a break, things are just getting worse. And you just feel so happy at the end. Not that you want this character to die, but it's like... You he... just want
0: his, his suffering to end. Yeah.
1: So. And, and it's nice that you actually get a happy ending from this movie it's not you know he's in despair for the rest of eternity it's like no he's he's finally where he wants to be
0: did um so miss boo first time viewing this movie first time you know getting a real deep discussion of this how do you feel this ranks out of the movies we've seen so far because i just Realize us probably doing, you know, number rankings might not be great, but out of the movies I've made you watch before, I think your your favorite up to this point has been probably Behind the Mask.
1: It was, but I think this one's going to take the, the cake.
0: Take the top spot? Yeah. Okay.
1: Because Behind the Mask is funny, you know, it has references to horror movies that we love, but this one really kept me thinking the whole time, you know, trying to guess what was going on. And it had that twist ending that I wasn't expecting. So, yeah, it's going to be my, my number one right now.
0: All right. I like to hear it. I like to hear it. Boys, I finally got a, a solid, solid stone-cold pick at a century.
1: You did good, kid. I
0: did good. So, yeah. Is there any other little aspects of the movie you want to kind of talk about? Because I could talk about this movie at length. I've watched it, I don't know, dozens and dozens of times.
1: Well, I know you love this movie, and I'm sure you probably know a lot of facts about it.
0: A lot of random facts, yeah.
1: But did you know that um, Adrian Lynn's choice for Jacob was actually Tom Hanks?
0: I heard about that. I always thought it was bullshit. Can well, you imagine Tom Hanks in this movie?
1: I don't know. I mean, it, it could have you know, gone a different way. I mean, Tom Hanks is a, a great actor, but I think this movie was really made
0: for Tim Robbins. Well, well, that's the that's the crazy thing because Tom Hanks is America's nice guy, mm-hmm. and you would let me let's be real—you would have felt so bad to see like Woody being tormented like this. Yes, but yes, yeah, no, this is this is one of those roles where it's just like God, I can't. It's hard for me to see another actor playing this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the list of you know actors that were allegedly you know interested in playing jacob and it was actors like richard Gere, dustin hoffman and al pacino and it's just like i can't picture them as this character
0: it's really hard because i mean like okay first of all those are some really good names yeah like i probably wouldn't have liked pacino in this role because i think he might have been like i don't know if he would have been too old but he just i don't know if he would have looked the part i don't know if he would have looked like good in the role because i don't know i feel like pacino's just really big as a performer Mm -hmm. dustin hoffman might have been a good choice he might have been interesting just because dustin hoffman is he's a gem he's a gem he's really good at he's really good at playing like that kind of like neurotic kind of you know every man kind of thing his performance in the graduate has colored me on his career forever because that is a an amazing performance but yeah, now Richard Greer probably been really bad in this role.
1: Yeah, I, I really out of the those three, I really couldn't see him as this character.
0: But yeah, but de- but honestly, this movie is like it's because the movie's not perfect. It's not. I, I have no illusions of calling this a, a the perfect film. No. But you know, there's there's some things that are a little bit awkward. You know, you can tell some of the sets are sets. You can tell some of the extras aren't really you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing. You can, you can tell there's a little bit of like cheapness around the movie, but like the story, the performances and the main cast are just so good. It carries you through. And also there's some, the scenes where they need to, to make shit happen. They make that shit happen. And, but man, it'd be so weird to see anybody else playing Jacob other than Tim Robbins. I, like, cause that, that main performance carries the whole movie.
1: He carries the movie on his shoulders.
0: And it probably feels really bad when they remade it.
1: I haven't seen the... Well, I mean, this is my first time seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd want to see the remake.
0: Uh, so, I, I know this because I looked this up. The This movie has a 7.5 on IMDb, which, by the way, criminally low. Yeah. And the remake has, like, a 3. Ooh. Yeah, it's apparently it was a really bad, like, dropping quality. I have yet to see it either because I why would I see the remake of a movie that was already a really good kind of cat catching, you know, greatness in a bottle kind of thing. It's yeah. just it's a really good movie that just is like all these weird little things kind of came together at just the right time and just the right kind of way to make a really, really good movie. And yeah, you know, it's just Then it also looks just that that kind of weird, like almost post 70s like sleazy shooting where it's like oh you can tell this is shot like 16 millimeter and it's like kind of blown up everything looks a little bit grimy
1: well i also like that the only color we get in the film is when he's in vietnam that that's the only kind of time we see vibrant colors the rest of the time when he's in the city it's all really muted tones
0: oh yeah it's always
1: like blues and grays we never really get, like, a sunny day when he's, you know, walking through the streets.
0: Well, that's actually a good point. So, in Vietnam, it's this, you know, very warm, orange hue over everything. And everything's just alive and vibrant, the greens. And then when we get to the city, and it's this very dark, very muted. Everything is just... It's very dark, right?
1: Yeah, and I kind of felt like, you know, Vietnam... You know, after we learn the twist that he dies in Vietnam... Vietnam's, like, the land of the living, and he's... In between the land of the living and the land of the dead.
0: Oh, but then when we go into his thing with Sarah, when it's that that sub-level right Mm -hmm. there, it's it's all blue. It's all that really serene, cooling blue. It's almost... He's going through all these different levels of his purgatory and his dealing with everything. And it's just... Oh, there's so much, like, weird symbolic stuff in this movie. You know, there's religious symbolism. There's symbolism of, like... I guess every every theme in this movie, I mean, you know I talked at length about it. Do you think there's any weird like thematic things in this movie that just kind of poked you the wrong way or poked you, and you're like man, that's that's kind of weird. I gotta have to think about that.
1: No, I mean, you know what got me was a lot of the religious symbolism mm-hmm. and the fact that that was like the first thing that jumped out at me, mm. so it was kind of just like piecing it together, you know. Is he really alive? Is he dead? I'm like, are, are we going through this spiritual journey with him, you know, to the next life or whatever there is after this? So I was kind of, you know, feeling like we were heading in that direction, but I just couldn't be sure. And the only time that you actually feel comfortable is when he's back home with his wife and his kids. And like you were saying, it's, you know, shades of blue, but... It's tranquil shades of blue. It feels comfortable. It feels safe. Apart from the other parts of the movie where he's nearly dying in his apartment or the demon at this rave that they go to or the the sleazy uh, subway station.
0: Man, this movie's good.
1: It is a good movie.
0: Alright, so do we have anything else we want to gush about before we wrap up?
1: Do you want me to spoil next, next week's episode?
0: Oh, I would love that. So, what are we watching next week?
1: Next week, we are watching Raging Bull by Martin Scorsese.
0: Oh, I love Scorsese.
1: And oh. I believe it's the 45th anniversary, or it might be the 40th.
0: I think this one's the 40th. I think the 45th one's going to be my pick. Okay. It's going to be real fun. So, yeah, Raging Bull next week, ladies and gentlemen, at the film club. I've seen it before, but it's been a little bit of time. Have you seen Raging Bull before? I've
1: seen it before, but again, I, I think I've only seen it once or twice. Ooh. So it's going to be like watching it for the first time again.
0: Oh, it's going to be a fun one. We're going to see who's got you know the better right hook, left hook combo. It's going to be fun.
1: And who doesn't love De Niro?
0: You're going to do De Niro face the whole time, aren't you? I can't help it. I know. All right, so would you like to give everybody where they can find us, where they can follow us, any other things you'd like to plug before we wrap ourselves up and finish this off?
1: Well, if you want to follow us and all our behind-the-scenes stuff or to, you know, see our posts about upcoming episodes, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Film Club Podcast. And we're also streaming on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, Breaker, I believe... Um,
0: anywhere where podcasts are found.
1: I mean, we're just streaming on a whole bunch of uh, platforms now, so it's a lot easier to find us. Just type in the Film Club Podcast, and we're there.
0: Yeah, and you can also find me on our sister podcast, the Double Feature Podcast, where I do with our uh, friend of the Film Club, David Clark, and we talk about two movies. We compare, contrast them, try and find the better of the two. I think we just started finishing up our halloween episodes
1: and really, it's a fun episode it's a really fun episode
0: but yeah so that's what i'm doing and i think that kind of wraps us up here all right have fun stay scared boo thanks for watching uh, jacob's ladder with me and enjoying it
1: and thank you for recommending it it was a good pick
0: i always pick good picks
1: right. we'll see you next time at the film club Peace.